today's guest is a fourth generation family member and a top executive running a nine-figure family-owned business. As the Vice President of Human Resources and Internal Distribution of ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, he oversees 126 stores in Florida and over 1,600 employees. Welcome to the show, Shali. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Toby. This is uh, this is fun. I look forward to our conversation. I'm I'm doing great, and uh, appreciate you having me. Th thank you so much for joining me today. As I said before we started recording, I'm super excited to be speaking with you, and also you know with everything that you achieve, you've achieved so far, and everything that you do currently. Like I'm super inspired by your work. So thank you so much once more for for joining me on this episode of Mirror Talk. Um, I know you you are you are your husband. You're a dad to three. You're an executive, you're an entrepreneur, you're a passionate crossfitter, <laughs> you're a health nut and a lover of going to bed at 8 p.m. I don't know how you do all of that before 8 p.m. <laughs> so I, I, I would love to know how you do it all. And can you tell me about your, your life journey leading you to this stage of life that you're in right now? Yeah. Um, how, how do I do it all? It's, it's, it's been a process. You know, I've, I've kind of cultivated this lifestyle that I live. It, it wasn't just you wake up one day and here's what I'm going to do. Um, and you know, you, you just, I've, I've learned from a lot of experiences. I've gotten a tremendous amount of help. Um, and I rely on a great deal of help from other people to get all that done in during a day. Um, and you know, my, the first, the first thing that I am is I'm, I'm a husband, you know, I'm a husband to my wife and um, she's one of those people, if not the most important person to help me get everything done in the day. Um, you know, she's, she's, she's more than just a wife and a partner. I mean, she's, she's a rock to me. She's my confidence builder. She's the one who says to me like, yeah, you can, you can do this. Of course you can. I mean, I, I think it's a cheat code to life to having a partner that is supportive of you. Um, and I mean, we've been married for 10 years, so that's just, our relationship has continued to grow and that's impacted everything that I've been able to do and made me a more confident executive, a more confident, you know, father, um, husband, everything. So, I mean, it all starts there. And then, um, we've, we've got three, three little kids, you know, they're ages eight, six, and two. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the stay at home dad that is with them all day, every day. But also, I don't travel a ton for work. I try not to. I try to be home, you know, for dinner time at night. I, I, I take their, our two big kids to school every morning, and that's just kind of when my day starts. Um, and how do I get a lot of things done? Well, I work out most days before they're ever awake. Um, or, or I'll go to the gym directly after I drop them off in the morning, which is still relatively early. Um, you know, I'm not working out at 10 a.m., but it's uh, it's 7 a.m. still pretty early. So you can get a lot done, but also just being effective in the gym. Like I, I can torch myself in 20 minutes. You know, I, I don't need an I, I wish I could do it in an hour and a half, but there's just no way I can devote an hour and a half of time to that. So, you know, you got to maximize what you can. And sometimes that's 20 or 30 minutes, but I've, I've cultivated over, you know, decades of working out and, and five years of doing CrossFit, how to do that properly. Um, and then, you know, on the executive front, you know, in the family business, and then on the entrepreneurial side, I, I have got the most amazing people that I get to work with every day um, that help support everything that I do. 
uh, on both fronts. My entrepreneurial company, um, CV Supplements, I've got you know six or seven awesome partners and three or four other support people that are just amazing. Um, my my uh, corporate job, the family business, I've got dozens of just high performing people that I get the pleasure to work with every day. And, and then also kind of the person who keeps all that together, I have an assistant um, who, who, you know, is everything that I'm not like she's organized, she's detailed, she's she keeps me on schedule because there's no way I could do all that my own. Getting the support that you need, having a partner that, you know, compliments you, that, you know, pushes you to do more and to become better. I mean, that's the recipe. And, you know, having a family that is well-balanced and, you know, you always creating time for your children also, that makes you the success that you are today. That's, that's a perfect, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful answer. Yeah, if I, yeah. If I would add yes. anything to it, it would be that I just I have a growth mindset towards everything. And mm -hmm. what that means to me um, is that I'm always looking to get better or change or improve. I'm not just saying, oh, well, here's, here's how we did it last year, so here's how we're gonna do it now. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to take the advice of others that are looking to help improve anything, whether that's my wife on the family front, my assistant on the corporate side, you know, the COO at our supplement company, uh, or somebody says, hey, have you thought about doing this workout? Oh, sure, man. I'm, you know, you're always open to change and growth. I think that that's pivotal to have that mindset. Yes, yes, that's true. And how, how do you, you know, prepare yourself, like, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally for your, for your job, like, for, for the job of the vice president of your company, you know, overseeing 126 stores and over 1,600 employees? How do you prepare yourself every day for such role? It's a really interesting question. Um, you know, I think that, so I've been doing this job for call it 12 years or so. Um, and I would say that I wasn't, I, I've been decent at my job for two or three years. Um, so that, that means that nine or 10 years, the majority of my working career, um, oh, I wasn't that great. Uh, but you know, you're what you don't have to be amazing. I think you just have to continue to want to learn and grow uh, and, and invest time and energy into that learning and the growth. And, um, you know, I think I've, uh, I, I've, I was raised in the American individual culture that says everything's a competition and there's a winner and a loser and you want to be the winner. You know, that's, that's, that's America right there. It's all about the individual. And that is so wrong, I've learned that you, it, the, 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 the military has figured this out, that everything works better in a small unit, a small team. And when you're all rowing the same direction, the power of the team over the power of the individual is, you know, 10x. So it's, it took me years and I have, you know, education to back it and an MBA and all that. And, and they don't talk about this stuff. I've had to get most of what I've learned through books that were not my textbooks and my master's program. You know, you, you'll go read, uh, I'll go read Simon Sinek or Tim Ferriss or Jocko Willink or a bunch of these guys that talk about leadership. Um, and, and you, you take those lessons and you apply them. And, um, so, I mean, just to, to, to get to the, 
answer of your question, how do I prepare to lead so many people today, um, is it's taken time. You know, you don't just wake up one day and have the ability to lead. You have to invest time and energy and into education and growing and being okay with failure. Uh, because really life, if I had to distill, you know, the difference between winners and losers into one sentence, it's as simple as winners just don't give up. The people who tend to win just don't give up. They, they get knocked down and then they're like, okay, I'm not going to do that again, but I'm going to stand back up and I'm going to do this and see how this works out. And you just, you just hit repeat on that process. So that's why I can say very confidently that I might not have been very good for 10 years at my job. And I'm still learning in the, you know, the two years that I think I've been doing decent. Um, I, that's, that, that's not a, you know, a sign of hubris or pride or, or, or anything like that. Um, it's, it's, it's still, I have a growth mindset. I'm being, I'm very uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, um, and instilling that into my people that, that I get to work with that like, you know, whatever is going to happen today, the majority of things that happen every day, um, are not life and death, terrible, awful things. And, and, and you can take a step back, take a deep breath, deal with things accordingly, maybe sleep on it and deal with it tomorrow. I've had to learn that uh, because I was, again, I was the guy that's like, go, 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 go. Let's, let's fix this now. So, you know, just, just learning that over time and then having this, if, if one of my team members that I get to work with asks me the same question that you just asked, here's the answer they're going to get. They're going to get a raw, emotional, vulnerable answer that says like, I'm not perfect. I'm still learning, but guess what? That's totally fine. And I'm confident in that. And I'm going to instill that in you and I'm going to support you. And we're going to get through this. That's how you prepare yourself to oversee massive amounts of people. Don't be the smartest person in the room. Continue to learn from, from everything that can happen and just be uncomfortable or be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, and you're probably going to be successful and lead accordingly. Yes. I love that. That's the keyword for me. Having a growth mindset like, you know, being ready to, to improve. And I like the fact that, you know, you admitted that, um, okay, over the past, you know, nine years or so, or 10 years, you've not been like the best, but, you know, you are improving, you're getting better and better. I believe that for me, that's something I reflect on and say, okay, how have I been doing so far? What are my, you know, um, shortcomings or my, what are the, my flaws and how can I improve that? How can I work on that? And I believe that boils back to the growth mindset, being able to, find your mistakes and, you know, correct them or improve on what um, were not so good before in the past. Yeah, I like that. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. So I would like to know um, how you successfully run a nine-figure family-owned business over several generations. Like, can you tell me about the business and the strategies that you make use of to keep your business growing even stronger and stronger every year? Yeah, Um you know, I, I get asked that question a lot by people when they find out like, whoa, you work for a family business that's on the fourth generation of leadership because most of those, th those aren't around anymore. You know, most, most businesses don't make it out of year one. Um, most of them, the other half don't make it out of year two. Um, and then here we are as a fourth generation family owned business that's been around for 85 years. Um, how, how do you do it? Um, well, I think the short answer is um, a lot of good fortune and luck, uh, but also 
um, having really good people that are running the business with the future in mind. So Simon Sinek wrote a book. Um, it's titled The Infinite Game. And we that's how we run our business at ABC. Um, we are not looking to, um, you know, profit in the short term and play the game of quarterly earnings and like, oh, look, look at what we did today or tomorrow. We're, we're looking at the next generation. You know, I'm already thinking about the next generation that's coming into the workforce. My, my father and my uncle, um, and then their grandfather or their father and uncle, my, my grandparents that were in the business, we were always thinking about playing the long game. Where are we going to be in 20 years? And that's a super hard question to even think about in today's world because 20 years ago, we didn't have iPads or iPhones or the ability to even do what we're doing. So it's hard to get the perfect strategy of well, here's what we're going to be doing in, in 20 years. And that that's not at all what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you're keeping the integrity and the long-term vision of the company at the heart of every decision. And that's exactly what the third generation of our company did and the second generation and the first generation. And that's what the fourth generation is doing. We are looking to um, build the business that's going to last forever. And we're going to make our decision. And, you know, a lot of people say that. A lot of people say that, um, oh, man, I want to build a business and then I want, to, I want my kids to overtake it and I want this and that. Um, and then they sell it in two years, yeah. you know, or, or they close the door. So a lot of people talk and then they don't walk where we're actually doing both here. We're in our boardroom. We're in this executive setting making decisions that are very consistent with our words. And our words are that we're playing the long game. We are investing in the future generations that will work for us, whether they're family or not. We're going to do what's best for our employees, not what's best for our board of directors or our shareholders. You know, we are investing in the long-term future of the company. And that is what drives decision-making in our business. And that's how you can be around with a combination of luck and good fortune for 85 years. Yeah. Wow, that's so amazing. And how do you, you know, successfully plan or, you know, lay out a plan or structure for a business to last that long, to last 80, over 80, 80 years? So do do I don't, I, I think that... Um, we, we certainly don't put on paper, like, here's our 10-year goal of where we're going to be and what we're going to do um, with the specific number of stores or the items we're going to sell or the business model. Um, I think it'd be crazy to try to forecast that. However, what, what we're able to do so well, um, and to answer your question, is we are, we are looking to always adapt and change. It gets back to that growth mindset where most businesses have a fixed mindset and they're trying to protect what they've already built. Where the 12 years that I've been at ABC, um, you know, I have seen our brand change three times. I've seen our store design change three times. Like it's not, we're, we're not staying stagnant and saying, oh, you know, we did this, so we're going to keep it. No, no, no. We'll tear it down and reinvest and do it again because that's what the consumer has asked. That's what the that, that's we look at competition, you know, not as the enemy. We look at competition as as other businesses that are making us better. And really, we are we are our own 
competitor. We're trying to outdo ourselves every day. You know, it just, it gets back to, are you a growth mindset company and you're okay with change and you're okay with being uncomfortable and investing in the long term, or are you fixed mindset trying to protect everything? You know, you're, you're trying to preserve the past. You're trying to preserve that. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, that business is the old dog. You can't teach new tricks. We are not, we're the opposite of that. You know, we're the, we're the dog that wants to learn how to jump over the fence. So tell us how, or we're going to figure it out. Yes. Wow. It's not just about making a profit, but also about, you know, growing, improving your processes, improving the way everything looks like in the company. Yeah. Yes. Wow. But I would love to know, what, what does ABC stand for? Like, I've been trying to crack my brain around it. That's, is, it, is it like from a family, from names combined together, something, something corporation? Uh, that's <laughs> another question I get often. What does ABC stand for? Honestly, it stands for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it, was the, <laughs> it was the first number in the phone book in 1936 when Jack Holloway, our founder, started the business. Um, and also, uh-huh. and over here in the States... Um, you have ABC stores in other states, Ohio, Virginia, Alabama, um, and it's done, it stands for um, Alcoholic Beverage Control or Commission. Um, so that, that is an acronym, mm-hmm. you know, Adult Beverage Commission. I've, I've heard it everything, but I'm pretty sure it's Alcohol Beverage Control. Um, so ABC. So when Jack starts his business in 1936, he's like, well, I'm just going to call it ABC because all these people come down to Florida to vacation. They're going to know exactly what it is. It's an ABC packaged liquor store. Boom, there you go. Um, so, and we've, we've, we've branded the ABC to stand for always be celebrating, um, which is very consistent with our brand. I mean, heck, we're selling booze. Most of the time, I mean, 95% of people that come in our stores are celebrating something. Now, whether they're celebrating a wedding, you know, they're celebrating the life of someone that they love, um, or they're celebrating that it's Tuesday at five o'clock and they're going to go have a glass of wine with their friend. Um, you know, if you work, a, you work a shift in our store, it's a whole lot better than working at a hardware store, <laughs> you know, because most people walk in and they're like, yes, wow, I, I'm at a beautiful store that is selling a product that's going to enhance my celebration. Hi, friend. Are you enjoying this episode? We would love to hear from you. Kindly send us a feedback. Are you following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, maybe on YouTube and other podcast platforms? Are you following us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook? We would love to connect with you on all platforms. Links and further details are available in the show notes of this episode. Thank you. You have this board of directors, you have the executive that you all sit together, you know, draw the plans for, you know, for the company, for the business. So, and, and from my own little understanding, I know it's very important to have, you know, the right people in the right position of a business to make the right decisions also. So can you teach me how you successfully do that? How do you, you know, find the right people for the right position to make the right decision to move your company forward? So the, the one word answer to that is time. I also said, Patience, um, and and now I'll yeah. I'll explain what that means. Don't worry, <laughs> but um, yes, please. So what what that means is that 
you've got to give people time to understand their job, to understand the industry. Heck, I was given time. Part of that 10 years I talked about earlier that I wasn't very good at my job, I'll say, because I was still finding my way. I'm still finding how we do things at ABC and our, our company culture and what my job really is and what I'm doing. And by, by, the, by the company and the executive team giving me time to grow into my role, that's how I ended up running human resources. Because I don't, I don't really care too much about our products that we sell. I'm not a huge um, consumer of, of adult beverage. I'd, I'd rather spend more time in a CrossFit gym. That's just who I am. But I absolutely love the people that work in our stores and work in our warehouse. So I figured that out through time that I need to oversee the warehouse. I need to oversee, you know, the, all of human resources that touches the lives of every single team member. You know, we touch their payroll, we touch their benefits, we touch their training and development, their succession planning. And we also get to interact with team members on the employee relations side when things go bad. But I love that because, again, we look at HR from a growth mindset that when someone makes a mistake or we need to fire somebody, we have an opportunity to make it as best and as right as we can. Like, that's a different way of looking at HR, but I found that out through time. Um, and it's the, same, it's the same thing with other executives that, that we've hired. You know, so many people get hired and then, you know, two months, a year into it, it's like, oh, no, we just don't. This isn't a good fit. I don't like this. I'm going to leave. I'm, I'm going to, you know, voluntarily, voluntarily resign from the business. Um, and if, if somebody wants to do that, we support them. We're all for it. But our best executives and our best team members, our best store managers, everything, they have been patient with learning the job, the business, giving themselves time to grow and then, you know, at some point, and everybody's a little different, but at some point, maybe it's year two, maybe it's year four, maybe it's year 10, an eruption happens. And one plus one equals seven, as opposed to equaling two, because you have given the person, I mean, it's why you can, you can just tell by the tone of my voice, how, how much I love talking about this and talking about HR and the people, because I was given 10 years to figure out how passionate I am about the people that work for us. And I really don't care about the product we sell, but I love the people. So it's, it's just time, you know, and cultivating a, a, a culture that supports people and giving them the patience to screw up and to figure out what they're going to do and not just jumping immediately down their throat and saying, oh, you're terrible at this. We're going to fire you or whatever. It's, no, 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 we're, we're going to let you figure this out. Um, and when you do, you know, an eruption happens that I talked about that, that that's the one plus one equals seven, because you have an engaged, you know, willing person doing the job that they love to do. Like they're going to put in more of the effort and most of the time and what they're doing, they're going to do it better than someone who's not engaged or not loving what they're doing. And that just takes time. Mm. Yes. Well, so that means, one has to invest that time into, you know, building your knowledge or building, you know, your expertise in, in, a, in an aspect of a business, for example, and to know if you truly love what you are going to do in the business too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Yes, I love that. But, you know, um, in, in this time and period that we are in right now, during, during the pandemic, um, a lot of businesses suffered huge losses, like 
um, a lot of businesses that even had to um, close up because of no, no more funds, no customers. How are you able to, you know, thrive through that period of time, through the COVID pandemic? How are you able to, you know, come out of it successfully or still, you know, thriving through it right now? Yeah, it's there's certainly, I mean, everything I'm talking about with, you know, investing in your people and playing the long, the long game, investing in the infinite game. Um, there's certainly a dichotomy there because in order for a business to stay alive, you know, you have to make money or you have to at some point, you know, show a profit so that you can continue to operate the business, even if you are financing it through debt. Um, and a bank line of credit or something, the bank wants to see that your cash flow positive before they do that. And I, I get it. And because the banks, same thing, they, they, they have no money, they're not going to be a bank. It's kind of like our bodies aren't going to work if your heart's not pumping blood everywhere. So, you know, you can, you can read every book you can to better your brain. You can go do a workout, you can sleep, or you can do a number of things. But if your heart's not pumping blood, none of that matters. So it's the same thing with business. You have to have you know, a, a, a plan to either become or be financially successful or show that plan. And then you got to do it. You got to execute on that strategy. So there, there is a dichotomy there. Um, and you know, we, we're, we're just one of those businesses that figured out, you know, throughout COVID where to meet our customers, where to meet the demand, where to meet them in the shopping experience, give them what they want. Therefore, we did pretty well during, during COVID. It, I, would, I say during, it, I think it's still probably going on a little bit. Um, Florida is a little different yeah. than the rest of the world, as we talked about. But, um, and that's, that, that's just part of the luck and good fortune that we're operating a business in the United States, in the state of Florida. You know, if we were in Ohio, it might be a little different uh, because it's, it's a different mm -hmm. form of, of business government up there. It's a it's a whole different landscape. The, the, the weather's different. You know, we have the beach and sunshine here in a desirable location. So that's some of the luck and just good fortune that we're not in control of that. But we're but once we recognize it, we're certainly going to capitalize. That's the difference between someone who says that they're lucky or they see good fortune or they, they, they see the luck and then they take it. You know, I mean, I, that's, that's my definition of luck is that, you know, it's not just... You win the lottery because you got the right numbers. That that is pure luck. But you know, from a business setting, you're looking at what's going on. You're looking at the trends, and you see, oh, we are in Florida. We're not in Illinois. You know, we're not in one of these other states. Um, let's capitalize on this. Let's turn the Titanic left because we see this. That's the intersection of luck and execution. That like, bam, we're just going to hit it. And then that's exactly what we did during COVID. Um, so, you know, you, you have to have a really emotionally intelligent team to do that. You have to be looking at the long term and playing the long game. Um, you have to put your people first uh, in order to properly time that, you know, um, midpoint of execution, luck and jumping on it. And that's that's exactly what we did. That boys back down to you know to time, like knowing the right time to execute an action, knowing the you know the right opportunities that you have. Um, each member of the board of committee of um you know of, of directors, whatever, knowing the having the right time to develop their expertise also, and you know, yeah, that's that's so interesting. And 
And also, you know, I love the fact that you said, you know, law clock is about seeing, seeing, an, seeing an opportunity, like you've been in Florida and making use of it, saying, yeah, we're, we have the beaches, we have the, um, the wonderful weather, why not capitalize on that? Yeah, yes. But, you know, apart from COVID, you know, businesses face, you know, they, they face a lot of crises and turbulences along the way. Like nothing, um, it's not always a smooth journey all through for all businesses. So can you tell me how you manage crises? Can yeah, um, it's, you're absolutely right there that, uh, you know, crisis management is is a skill set that many people just don't, don't have. Um, uh, and, and if people do think they have it, um, that, that screams to me that they're a fixed mindset. So, I mean, I think that part of, being successful at crisis management is slowing down, you know, getting everybody to take, take deep breaths, understand that, you know, trying to figure out, is this, is this really, you know, what I'll call the life or death situation that like, if this is the, the worst thing, um, you know, help, you know, defining the worst case scenario when you're in the crisis helps to understand and grasp and diagnose and figure out how, how do you want to react to this? Um, so I mean, those those are those are all things that that we do. But I think that the most a crucial part of crisis management is just having the humility to understand that you might be wrong in your immediate reaction, and it's okay because you'll just say, "Hey, guess what? We we got that one wrong. We're going to turn around and go go back this way." Like you know, we're we're human too. Oops. Um, and it's amazing how people respect you when you just are vulnerable and you just. You just do the right thing. Um, and that's, you know, I know that doesn't like directly answer your question, but everything that I just mentioned is what is guiding the decision-making and the behaviors during a crisis management scenario. You know, it's all the, everything I just said, slowing down, taking deep breaths, understanding that you might be wrong and just being okay with that. And, but if you, if you keep, if you keep your integrity and you keep the safety of your team members and everything at the, at the heart of the decision, um, that drastically changes, you know, what you're going to potentially decide on doing in the middle of that crisis. So hopefully that answered the question. Yes. But how do you separate your, your emotions from, you know, actions? Like, you know, when, when it gets to the real deed and you have to like take some drastic steps or take some drastic actions, how do you separate your, your personal interests, your emotions from what you really have to do, you know, to manage the crisis? Yeah. Um, so something that people probably hear me say a lot around here at ABC is that in the five years that I've been running um, HR, if I've learned one thing, mm-hmm about overseeing that many people and that, you know, HR gets a bad rap because they're like, oh man, you got to deal with all the employee relations fun stuff. And they're right. We got to deal with all that. But if I've learned anything in all these years, it is that most of the time, and I mean like 95% of the time, not 51, like the overwhelming majority of the time, what someone is perceiving as a deliberate attack or this person is giving me an emotional response. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing is deliberate. It's usually just a miscommunication or a misread of, of something. So that helps in crisis management because most of the time in crisis management, it has nothing to do with a deliberate act or someone you know getting their emotions all riled up and 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 you know going this way or going that way. If you once you accept that 
you can just remove all emotion. And then crisis management just turns into management. Um, and, and I, it, again, I say that now, five years later, I certainly didn't think that way three years ago. Um, it's just taken time to under and experiences to understand that pe- most people aren't deliberate. Most people are not trying to, um, discriminate or, or, or do the wrong thing. Um, or, you know, screw you uh, so that way they can get something better. Most people aren't doing that. Um, and once, once you accept that, you can remove, I can remove my emotions from the situation. Somebody on my team can remove their emotions and just figure out like, all right, person A says this, person B says this, or any crisis, the right answer or the right thing to do or what really happened is usually somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's, and even just asking someone, okay, if you think you're right, like, what are you, what do you want to happen? And actually making, making them talk about, well, here's what I'd like to happen. And I've asked that question so many times on a, he said, she said, or an employee issue. And I mean, I'm telling you not once has the other person said, I want the person fired in thousands of, of these situations, not once. I mean, that, that just screams to me right there that if we all just took a step back, took our emotions out of it and, and, you know, just approach situations calmly, man, how outcomes would change. One has to come to a, a common ground and, you know, gets issues solved. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should yeah. send this podcast to all the politicians in DC right now. They should hear that. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's actually very, it's very easy to say than to do. Like we all, I think we all, we all have that basic understanding that yes, we have to find a common ground. But when, when it comes to the real, real deal, it's always very difficult to find common ground. It's always very challenging to say, or to compromise actually, to say, no, um, I'm going to let go of my belief of my expectations and I will, you know, listen to what you have to tell me and we could maybe meet each other in the middle or something like that. I think, yeah, there's always a, a challenge there. I don't know how, how you work with that, how you compromise, um, you know, in your businesses or in your, in the family, for example. I don't know if you have some some tricks to that or some <laughs> some ways you go well, with a, that. a trick is that it, you know, that old expression, it takes two to tango, you know, and if you're trying to dance mm-hmm. with yourself and get everything for yourself, there there's not going to be a compromise. And that's exactly what's happening in the political setting in the States is that it's a, it's not a give and take relationship. It's a take and a take relationship. And it is, it's become so polar that, you know, you're either way over here, you're way over there. And I'm someone who lives in the middle that like, there's just, I, I, you can't really have this conversation with someone that's unwilling to come to the middle. Um, And from, you know, from my experiences, you know, those are the 10%. Of, of the situations that, you know, those are the times where we have had to let people go or we have had to, you know, side one way or the other as opposed to finding middle ground. Because if someone's just unwilling to go there, why are we even talking? What's the point? Like, you're, you're, you're not going to concede anything. Um, you're not going to admit that you might possibly be wrong. So why are we even having this conversation? Very true. That's very, very true, yes. So uh, I'd love for us to talk about um, CB Supplements. You are the founder and the CEO of CB Supplements. And also initially, you're also the vice president of ABC uh, Fine Wine and Spirit. Like, can you tell me about CB Supplements and tell me how you 
you run both of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm just an, I, when, when you're a growth mindset, it's a lot easier to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and want to, you know, find a problem and try to fix it. And where CB supplements came from, I think that most of the best ideas that get turned into businesses, the founders typically create a product or a service or something um, that like scratches their own itch, you know? Um, so CB supplements sells collagen protein and that's it. We don't sell any other supplement. Um, it's just, a other, you know, different sizes and flavors of collagen protein, which is the protein that's in your joints and ligaments and your skin and your bones, you know, and a lot of internal organs. You know, when you look at your elbow, you go, Oh, wow. I wonder what that is. Well, it's, it's cartilage, it's bone, it's tendon, ligament, skin, all that's, all that's collagen. Hmm. Um, so where the business came from is just being a, I was getting my MBA. Um, I'm, I've been in a growth mindset. Uh, I, I, I love the health and wellness space. It's part of what I oversee at ABC and in HR is we've, we've got a massive healthcare plan, you know, that, that we're, that our team members purchase. So we're a self-insured business. Um, so that's part of the world that I like to play in. Um, you know, I handle a lot of the back office stuff for ABC. So, and um, the healthcare plan is one of them. So, I, I've I was an active user of uh, other brands' collagen protein powders, and you know that that naive, um, optimistic, entrepreneurial spirit. I'm just going to go do this myself, create a business, um, and you know, I did it. So, I mean, that's. That's really, I said earlier, the difference between a winner and a loser is the winners just don't give up. Um, it's the same thing when you start a business. Like if you, if you want the business to succeed, you just roll with the punches, you deal with what's happened. And that's how CB Supplements has been in business for four years now. You know, and are we profitable? No, no, of course not. But are we, do we have good cash flow and we're reinvesting in the business and we're, so we're, we're loving every minute of it because we're playing the long game. We're not worried about, you know, not being in business next year. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, no, no, we're, we're going to do this the right way. That's how we've been in business for four years. So, you know, um, we, we sell a product that I thoroughly believe in. It's been a huge part of my uh, journey as a parent and overseeing the health of my kids and myself. And, you know, okay, everybody says they want healthy kids, but then they're an unhealthy parent. Well, I'm one of those people that's going to, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. So I want healthy kids too. Well, that means that I got to be healthy and I got to take care of me in order to lead them. And that's part of the, of the, of the, um, want to start CV supplements is to, you know, let me, let me actually back that up. We're going to sell, you know, a health and wellness product in this space. That's going to help people and help people recover, um, and here we are doing it. And like, I just, I, I love, I love talking about the people at ABC. I love talking about it and finance of the company. I love talking about health and wellness of the supplement that I sell. It just, it's, it's consistent with my brand, you know, my personal brand, um, where I just love to talk about anybody about all those things to anybody that wants to hear it, because I've learned so much from the community that's helped me. If there's anything I can do to help others, you know, and now we have a product that we can sell in the States that truly does help, um, help people with their joints and their digestive issues and, uh, their immune system and just recovering. So that's why we started the business. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause you know, our health is our wealth. Like 
without our health, we can't move forward in life. We can't raise our, our kids in the right way or for a long period of time <laughs> if the health is not there. Yes, and that's that's a very, very important industry, I believe. Industry. Yeah, and yes. it's a it's a really weird industry in the states. It's it's pretty um, it's pretty unregulated, honestly. And a lot of supplements out there are just total garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's another reason why I wanted to create the product is you know we get our product tested by the harshest third parties out there to say no 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 this this supplement mm-hmm. is legit. It is so clean. An Olympian who gets drug tested for everything can take it. We have that certification. So, you know, we just, we want to have, you know, we, we want to be the unicorn in the industry that's like, oh man, they're not just trying to sell their crap product, to, you know, on the shelves of XYZ retailer and make money. No, we're not concerned with that. Money's going to come. We're, we're actually trying to help people get healthy. Yes, that's, that's the best thing, like creating impacts and doing good things for, for mankind. Yes, yes, I like that. No, um, so far I've been able to learn a lot from you already. I've learned about you know the importance of time. I've learned about you know creating you know long-term goals. You, as you said also with CB supplements, also like you're not looking at making money right now. You're looking at the long-term goal of it and making sure that you can you know um, create a product that could help you and also help other people out there. So from 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 your from your pool of experiences, how would you advise someone out there who wants to start a business? always struggling with a business. How would you advise such a person? Well, I think that there's there's a couple of things. Um, ho- hopefully I'm allowed to give w- uh, m- more than one piece of advice. <laughs> yes, please. Um, you know, you, you, you have to, it all starts with you. And what do I mean by that? Mm-hmm. I mean that you have to get excited about what you're doing, what you're selling, what your job is. I uh, have not always loved my jobs and what I'm doing, but what has helped me come to the point to where I do absolutely love my two jobs, you know, being the corporate executive over multiple departments and having an entrepreneurial venture in the health and wellness space that, you know, I'm the CEO of, of the company. Um, I have I have learned that you you are your own keeper of what you think is good and bad and what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy and if you can take care of yourself and your own mindset um and understand that you're in complete control and that the difference between 4 years ago me and today me where I didn't love what I was doing back then and I love what I'm doing now is my mindset and I just changed it to be in a mindset of gratitude and understand all the amazing things that I have and I'm grateful for, including the relationship that I have with my wife and the support system that I have and the love that I have for my kids and the fact that I am physically blessed and I do get to work out and train myself and train my body. And I know how to read and write so that I can read books and learn from so many other people. Um, and I have the ability to hire and train others who can help me, including direct reports an assistant, you know, an executive for one of the businesses that's different. You know, looking at through that lens that I just described is different than someone who's looking through the lens of, Oh, my business sucks. 
I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to wake up. I have to deal with traffic. I don't know how I'm going to make payroll. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. All that, the difference between those two perspectives I just gave you is just the framing of the talking of the questions. Like, that's it. And you're in complete control of that. So someone who is struggling in their business, someone who's thinking about starting a business, if they can understand that one little fact that you are in complete control and you take extreme ownership, what Jocko Willink calls extreme ownership over your whole world, if you do that, you will be successful. I have no doubts. Like, call me and I will invest in your company mm -hmm. because you will be successful. You might not be successful tomorrow. You might not be successful next year. But in the next 10, 20, 30 years, before you leave this planet, you will absolutely be successful if you have that kind of mindset. That's a guarantee for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that because, you know, um, I love the fact that you said it all starts with, with us, ourselves, like the, the entrepreneur or the person who wants the business. It's up to us to, you know, to design um, the kind of business that we want for ourselves and we have to be excited about it and also be grateful for all the opportunities that we have even down to being able to write, being able to read, being able to train other people to help us, and just for the support system that we have around us. The art of gratitude is very, very important. Yes. So what's like the best way to, to connect and work with you? In case there's someone out there who wants to, you know, ask more questions that we're not able to cover in this episode, what's the best way to do that? The be best way to get in touch with me um, is either on my LinkedIn profile. Um, you can just search my name and you'll find me pretty easily. Um, I'm... I'm pretty responsive on that. might take me a little bit to get back, but I respond to every message. Um, and then if you just, if you go to the CB supplements website and you, you email, which is just cbsupplements.com, Um, if you email the support email address, guess who's going to answer the email? Me. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. You get to work nine or 10 hours a day in the corporate world go home and, uh, you know, have dinner and bath time and bedtime with the kids and then a little time with my wife and then go to job number two and be customer service manager for CV supplements, which that's not a complaint. You know, I love it. I love this, the 15 hour day that I do every day because, you know, we're, I get to do what I love. I get to do it with the people that I love. And I get to improve people's lives. So, you know, one of those two ways is the best way to get in touch with me. Yes. I'm going to place all of this information in the show notes of the episode. So I encourage everyone to get across to you to, you know, ask you more questions that we're not able to cover. And anyone that's, you know, in the vicinity of Florida or anywhere where ABC stores could just, you know, enter your store and, <laughs> and get your products or go to CV supplements and order for protein supplements and encouraging supplements also. That would be so awesome. Thank you so much, Charlie, for everything I've been able to learn from you today. I'm so blessed. I'm much more better than I was before we started talking. I thank you so much for um, all the insight, the strategies, and everything that you shared with me concerning successfully building and you know growing a business. Thank you so much. Thank you, Toby. Thanks for having me. Wow. wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.